0: Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 1 Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 1 Wisdom hath builded her house she hath hewn out her seven pillars So Solomon's subject is the wisdom of God He is personifying wisdom Now in the New Testament in Colossians 2 and verse 3 we are told that in Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So when we read Solomon here describing wisdom he is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ the one in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If we want to discover the wisdom of God, we go to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, we think of Christ as we read these words here about wisdom. It is Christ who has built his house. It is Christ who has hewn out seven pillars seven is an important symbolic number in the Bible it denotes the the perfection of God so the house which the Son of God has built is a perfect edifice supported by the mighty pillars of God's truth And the Son of God is calling upon men to become guests in the house which he has built. In this beautiful and stately home which is his. This house with seven pillars is the true church of Jesus Christ. The gathering of all Who have turned from sin and believed in the Son of God. And so uh, we read in Ephesians 2 and verse 19 Paul says to believers, ye are of the household of God, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom All the building, fitly framed together, groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. And then Paul goes on, speaking to the believers. In Christ ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So there the Apostle Paul is explaining that the true church is where God dwells by his Spirit. The true church then is not any earthly institution which goes by the name of church uh, because there may be unregenerate people within churches. But the true church is the gathering of those who are born again of God's Spirit. And all true believers uh, make up as parts of the building the whole, which is actually described as the temple. So we as Christians are living stones in the temple, which is the true church. And so we are being told here about this house which the Lord Jesus Christ has built. Wisdom hath builded her house. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. And So this is the true church into which Christ is calling men. Come to this house, he says. This is where you can take shelter. Shelter from the condemnation which is otherwise eternally yours. But not only to take shelter and be rescued. But also, says our Lord, come to this house to sit down and feast with me, your King. So the Christian gospel is declaring to man that there is a house prepared for them where they can enjoy mercy and salvation and feast forevermore upon the spiritual food which Christ supplies. And so in John chapter 14, at the beginning of that chapter, our Lord says, Let not your heart be troubled. In my Father's house are many mansions. A mansion is a resting place. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. So, again, we have this picture of the Lord preparing a wonderful house for those who believe in him. And he says, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am... There ye may be also. So we see that this house of seven pillars, this house of divine perfection, is the house which wisdom has prepared for those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this house which is a spiritual temple. It is primarily, of course, a heavenly location. But there is also an earthly aspect to it. Because those who come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for a while live out their lives on this earth before they reach heaven. Uh, But... Even whilst they are on this earth, they are citizens of heaven. And so we belong to this heavenly temple, this wonderful house which Christ has built. But at the moment we are serving on the earth. We are part of that heavenly building, but we are serving on the earth now we mentioned that the Lord Jesus Christ is calling men to come and feast at his table in this house and so we read in verse 2 here of wisdom and wisdom is, is referred to here by the feminine pronoun because quite simply it is a feminine word in Hebrew Uh, We are told in verse 2 Wisdom hath killed her beasts, she hath mingled her wine, she hath also furnished her table. Well, we have established uh, that wisdom represents the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the wisdom of God. He has prepared then not only a house, but also a table. A feast of good things for those who come to him. The meat which is to be roasted for this feast, which Christ calls men to, has been prepared. Spices have been mixed in to give zest to the wine. Individual place settings have been carefully arranged. And now a general invitation is To be issued. Now, all of this represents the call of the Christian gospel. God, in His grace, has prepared a feast of good things for undeserving sinners. The preparation has been made, but the unbelievers, for their part, must heed the call. To come to the feast. And this reminds us of the Lord's parable in Luke 14 and verse 16. Our Lord said, A certain man made a great supper, and he bade many, and he sent forth his servants at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for things are now ready. They all with one consent began to make excuse. So there the Lord is <coughs> describing uh, this nobleman who makes a great supper. But people who are invited do not come but make excuses. This is what it is like today as the gospel is preached. Many continue to make excuses. Excuses. They do not come to the feast. They reject the call of the gospel. They are too busy living out their lives. So they think. Forgetting, of course, that it is God who has given to them their lives in the first place. How the Lord grieves over those who refuse his call to the feast. When our Lord wept over Jerusalem, he declared, How oft would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. The Lord was calling men to his house, to his table. But so many would not come. So the Lord grieves, but like the host who has his invitations spurned in that parable uh, in Luke 14, uh, he is also full of righteous anger. Those who refuse the call will suffer the consequences. Our Lord calls men to eat and drink at his own expense. And so men do not have to bring anything themselves. The host is going to pay for everything. And this is a picture of Christian salvation. We do not bring to God our own good works in order to purchase our salvation but we come because Christ has paid the price by dying on the cross we do not have to as it were pay for tickets to enter in to the feast no one has any righteousness of his own in order to enable him to purchase the good things which Christ would bestow. The gospel calls men to the feast without having to produce anything in payment, any of their own merits, their own worth or goodness. Unbelievers are called into God's kingdom on the grounds that Christ has provided the purchase price by dying in the sinner's place and this is brought home to us at the beginning of Isaiah chapter 55 Ho everyone that thirsteth come ye to the waters and he that hath no money come ye buy and eat yea come buy wine and milk without money and without price A call to the feast. You don't have to bring money to pay to get in. Then we read in Isaiah 55 and verse 3. Incline your ear and come unto me here and your soul shall live. In the Christian gospel, no one earns their salvation. You don't have to go through certain religious rituals you don't have to say so many prayers you don't have to go on a pilgrimage you don't have to offer some mighty service but you come without any money trusting in another who is paying the price for you and so we read here that a table is being prepared by the Lord Jesus Christ. And men are being called. Wisdom hath killed her beasts, she hath mingled her wine, she hath also furnished her table. And we read uh, in verse 5 here: the same invitation goes out. Come eat of my bread and drink of the wine which I have mingled. The Lord Jesus Christ has provided the nourishment whereby men's souls can be saved from eternal wrath and sustained unto everlasting life. And so our Lord offers to feed men who are spiritually starving. This is why our Lord is referred to as the bread of life. John 6 verse 32. Our Lord declared, My Father giveth you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven, and giveth life unto the world. I am the bread of life, said our Lord, He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. And so, this is the call of the Christian gospel here in in verse 5 Come eat of my bread, and drink of the wine which I have mingled. And another way in which this is described uh, is. The metaphor of being called to a marriage feast. Revelation 19 and verse 9. Blessed are they which are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So once more we have the feasting metaphor. And with special emphasis upon a marriage feast because the true church is the Bride of Christ. We read in Psalm 36 and verse 8. They shall be abundantly satisfied. With the fatness of thy house. And thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. So once more we have a similar metaphor. There in Psalm 36. Of generous hospitality this is the privilege which God bestows upon believers they shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of God's house and then in Psalm 23 we are told thou preparest a table before me Thou hast anointed my head with oil, my cup runneth over. To anoint the head with oil was one of the courtesies that a host would render to the guests who came to dine with him. And he who believes in Christ will receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the choicest food for his soul. Now we read of Wisdom in verse 3 here. She hath sent forth her maidens. She crieth upon the highest places of the city. The maidens here are Wisdom's servants, going out into the city to call upon the inhabitants to be their master's guests. And they go and issue their invitations at the most prominent places in the city. This is why we are told, Wisdom crieth upon the highest places. The places which everybody will notice. So that as many people as possible will hear the invitation. Now, these maidens who are the servants of Wisdom... Represent the preachers of the Christian gospel. The metaphor of young maidens is used to denote purity. So wisdom hath sent forth her maidens. She crieth upon the highest places of the city. This is what is happening when the gospel is preached today. Our Lord told his disciples... What I tell you in the darkness, speak ye in the light. And what ye hear in the ear, proclaim upon the housetops. The disciples often received teaching from the Lord in private. But he also told them then to go forth. And to declare his truth in the public places. Likewise gospel preachers today must go forth to the crowds, to the public places, the places where people gather and they must call upon them to repent of sin and receive Christ's cleansing, to come and feast at his table. If we go back to the first chapter Of this book of Proverbs, Uh, we read in verse 20 concerning wisdom. Wisdom crieth without, she uttereth her voice in the streets, she crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates, in the city she uttereth her words. So here we see that the wisdom of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, must be proclaimed in the public places. Many today say, well we don't mind you Christians believing what you believe, but keep it to yourself. Because we're a secular democracy. So you can be Christians, but your Christianity cannot be Impinge into the public sphere. Well, the Bible says the opposite. The Bible says the gospel must be proclaimed in all public places. We also read in Proverbs 1 and verse 22 this is the message, the question that is being asked How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning. And fools hate knowledge. As the gospel is proclaimed. Men have to be rebuked. Then we read in verse 23. Turn you at my reproof. Behold I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. And so. There is no receiving of the Holy Spirit until men turn and repent of all their sins. The gospel then must be proclaimed publicly in the prominent places. It must be set forth from the housetops. There is not a single soul who does not need to hear the Christian gospel and to hear it urgently. Unbelief is not an honourable option. If persisted in, it is in fact the unpardonable sin. So all those who mock must be warned. The indifferent must be challenged. Those trusting in their own imagined goodness Must be disillusioned. The politically correct must be told that they are theologically incorrect. The agnostics must be told that their fence-sitting is rebellion. And those following other religions must be told that Jesus Christ is the only way. So wisdom is she who goes forth into the public places. And as we preach the gospel today, we go forth as ambassadors of Christ. Verse 4 of Proverbs 9, we read this, Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she wisdom saith to him, Come, come, Eat of my bread, and drink of the wine which I have mingled. So once again, we see that the call of wisdom is a call to come and eat and drink in this beautiful house which has been prepared. And the call we note in verse 4 is particularly To those who are simple. The word simple here means unknowing. Undiscerning. And this is the natural condition of all unconverted people. They are simple. We're not being insulting by saying that. It's just a statement of fact. They are utterly blinded to spiritual Reality. Spiritually speaking, the most sophisticated unbeliever is a simpleton. One of the first things which a man has to do in order to become a Christian is to abandon all thoughts of his own wisdom. Men have to realise that in spiritual things they have been utterly ignorant. Rejecting Jesus Christ is not free thinking. It is an indication of having been deceived. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4 that the God of this world, Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. So it is necessary for unbelievers not to be proud of having been deceived by Satan. It is worldly, devil-inspired wisdom which makes people think that they do not need the Christian gospel. But the Apostle Paul tells us that the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. We live in an age where Christianity has been cast off and been replaced by a man made system of thinking. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 5 your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. We have a government which speaks about British values. But when they speak about British values, they make no reference to the Bible. It is a man-made system of values, whereas in reality, the true values of this nation have always been based upon the Christian revelation. So Paul says, here in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 5, your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. We speak not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world, which come to naught, We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. This wisdom, says Paul, is such that none of the princes of the world knew it. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. We must never forget that it was the religious and political leaders of the day who put our Lord to death. That is this world's wisdom. They were conforming to the received wisdom of their society when they put the Lord to death. So the Lord Jesus Christ declares in verse 6 here: Forsake the foolish and live and go in the way of understanding. Here is a call to be separate from the foolish philosophies of man. cease from the ways of this world's wisdom submit to God's revelation in Christ those who do so will live they will receive the new life of the Holy Spirit who will enable them to be holy and this new life will be a foretaste of the eternal life which is to come so this verse 6 is teaching us that for a man to partake of the gospel feast He must make a complete and utter change of direction. Abandoning the fashionable wisdom of this world. One of the great problems we have in our own day is that churches are trying to embrace the world's wisdom. But to become a Christian, there must be a total abandoning of this world's wisdom. Forsake the foolish says Christ and live and go in the way of understanding God's way Colossians 2 and verse 8 Paul says beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ to follow Christ is to abandon the foolish ways of this world ways which men in their spiritual blindness actually think are wise but our Lord warned that the road to hell is a broad way and it is full of people who think that they are being wise but we are called to forsake the foolish let us not be influenced by the society around us So, as we preach the gospel, we must go out into the world and call men to feast at Christ's table. But we will be speaking to those who will frequently not want to listen to us. We read in verse 7 here. He that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame." He that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. It is very hard to lead unbelievers out of their folly. To preach the gospel is in fact the highest act of love for another person. Yet it will often cause the messenger to become an object of contempt. He that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame. Men are often offended when the truth of Christ is presented to them. Men are offended when they are told they must repent of sin. He that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. But we must not lose heart. Our Lord warned, you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. And Paul said, as a preacher of the gospel, we are made as the filth of the world the offscouring of all things. There are some who are so hardened in their hostility to the gospel that we are actually counselled to leave them be. They have hardened themselves so much that God himself has given them up so that it will be fruitless to exhort them any further. This is what our Lord meant when he said, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest haply they trample them under their feet and turn and rend you. So, yes, we persevere in taking the gospel to all men, and we keep on doing that. But there may come a point with some when it becomes fruitless to exhort them any further give not that which is holy unto the dogs what an urgency then there is for men to heed the gospel before they reach that stage where it is no longer right for them to hear the gospel cast not your pearls before swine Men, by keep on rejecting Christ, are risking getting into that position whereby they will not hear the pearl of the gospel because they have rejected it for so long. So men must respond to Christ's call to come and feast at his table whilst there is time. He is declaring to all men today, Wisdom hath builded her house, she hath hewn out her seven pillars. In other words, Christ is saying to men, I have prepared a house for you. Everything is ready. Come and feast on the food which I want to give to you. God has prepared a feast of good things for undeserving sinners. But they for their part must heed the call to come to the feast. And so these verses are teaching us that wisdom, the Lord Jesus Christ, is calling upon all today to eat and drink at his expense. For he has paid the price for the good things by his death upon the cross the call then of the gospel is this come sinners to the feast Jesus Christ is calling upon all sinners today to come and eat the good things which he has prepared for them All things are ready. The Lord Jesus Christ is calling. But the unbeliever has to come. And he must come urgently whilst there is still time. Amen.